Okay, everyone, this is Naughty here with Naughty Audio for Men. And I am so excited because we are going to start adding interviews to the podcast. I know that's something that uh, many of you have asked for, and I could not have asked for a better person to interview for my first interview than one of the most recognizable by porn stars in the business. He is such a humble guy. Um, and so he blushes when I say legend, but I mean, you know, he's a legend and we, I, I was trying to count how many scenes he's been in. I mean, we're into the thousands at this point. Um, and if you have not heard of the name, Wolf Hudson, you've at least seen him in the past 15 years. If you've, if you've watched any, uh, bi porn or gay porn and, and, uh, I believe you've even dabbled, dabbled into straight porn, right? Dabbled. I was in. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Full, full fledged. <laughs> right. I didn't dip my toe in. I stuck my whole ass body in there. Nice. Um, awesome. So a big welcome to, uh, you Wolf, for, for joining me today. And, um, and, and basically what the reason why I wanted to interview you, Wolf, for the listeners is because I think it gives a lot of insight. I mean, this is a sexy podcast, but there are there are other aspects to sex uh, than what we're used to talking about here. So I, I think it's a wonderful thing that we have someone who is uh, able to give insight into the porn industry, but also what it's like to be a bisexual man, uh, because as I myself identify as a bisexual man. I do know the kinds of, um, you know, the kinds of stigmas, the kinds of misunderstandings and misconceptions that there are around uh, by men. And so I thought, what better way than to kind of dispel some of those myths, clear some things up, and then I'll learn some new things. So with that being said, how are you, Wolf? Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, a fairly busy Saturday. But my health is good. I'm working on a lot of projects, so I can't complain. That's awesome. That is so awesome. And um, so, yeah, so I, I, I wanted to start by um, asking you about just touching a little bit on your kind of your upbringing, just because I think from some of our conversations, um, it, it, it shapes your mentality when it comes to um, well, it shapes all of our mentalities, right? But it also, as as a performer, as a bi man, as a as a content creator, I, I mean, there are certain things like that 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 carry through. Um, so, if you don't mind, so uh, where where are you from? I'm originally from New York City, born and raised. I was born in Harlem, but raised in the Bronx and Washington Heights. Um, I've lived for different periods of time in. Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. That's where my family's from, but primarily grew up in New York. Okay. All right. And, and what was it like growing up, um, in that setting in New York? Because I believe we, we had a conversation previously when we were talking about, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but we talk about, you know, kind of, um, learning to deal with rejection or, or being treated as an other, or, or basically growing a thick skin. Um, how did your upbringing contribute, contribute to that? My upbringing was interesting. You know, when you're a kid, you don't really realize or pay attention to your surroundings as much as a grown up. But, you know, I grew up in a very dangerous time in the 90s, late 80s, 90s in New York. And, you know, there was a lot going on 
around me. So for me, I remember just being in it, but not fully being aware of the dangers, even though like, you know, my mom would say, don't go out, you know, be home by the time the, the, the or before the light, the street light goes on, you know, right. or whoop your ass, you know, things like that. So the way I would say my, my, my childhood was shaped was with a very strict and almost fearful um, upbringing of being outside and, and, and exposing myself to the real world which backfired. I was curious. I've always been a curious person by nature. Um, you know, I grew up in a very diverse house. I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood or neighborhoods, um, diverse school. And that was my early on exposure to so many different kinds of people, um, attitudes and what have you. Um, but I always felt like I was a little bit like the odd man out because I was so light skinned. I mean, New York, obviously there's plenty of white people, but you know, being Latino and being white, a lot of times people don't know how to swallow that because automatically when you think Latino, you think Brown, you don't even think black either. You think primarily Brown. And I never felt growing up like I really had a place because, you know, I wasn't really accepted in white culture, nor could I associate because I had no clue what it was, but I wasn't really accepted that much within Latin culture. So I would say there was a lot of, there was a lot of loneliness for me uh, on top of like good times as well, but there was a lot of just me being with myself and kind of dealing with all that. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, you saying how kind of being picked on or, or being, uh, or being poked at as far as whatever, I mean, that that's, you got to learn to kind of roll with the punches and, and be able to basically dish it back quick. Right. Oh, I roll with the punches. I mean, I got my fair share of punches almost on a daily basis. I literally would get into fights because I did get picked on, but I wasn't one to get picked on and not fight back. You know, yeah. my mother would kick my ass if I didn't hit back. She's like, don't ever let anybody hit you and not hit back or else I'll kick your ass. Right. So, you know, I, I was always fighting, um, not by choice. My mother was always in school and just like, why, why are we always having me here? You And it's like, <laughs> I got to fight back, you know, right. I'm, I'm not doing anything. But here's the thing, though, even though that was my situation, I never let it. Um. I never allowed myself to be a victim. I never allowed myself to uh, be like, why me? If anything, it was more of like, yeah, it is me. And so that helped me navigate it and keep pushing forward as opposed to just crying in a corner and being like, why me and this? It's just unfair. Yes, it was unfair, but that's the reality of real life. And I knew that concept at a very young age. I wasn't right. oblivious, but even though I was naive towards a lot of things, I knew that life was not going to be easy and this was just the beginning of what was to come. Right, and I think that's, um, and it's funny, I think that's interesting because it, it seems like no matter where you're from, for a lot of the younger listeners that I hope were over 18, but a lot of the younger listeners don't realize that back in the day, 
you know, there were no, there were no cell phones. You had pay phones and you had, you better be back in this house before the street lights come on, <laughs> you know, whether you lived in the city or whether you lived in the suburbs, especially in um, communities of color, or like, if you, uh, you know, if you, if you don't, if you don't fight back, you come in here and you're going to have to fight me, you know? So yeah, those are, those are things that I, I, I am definitely familiar with. So, yeah. You no. know, but at the, at the same time, it, it shaped, the kind of person that I am today, because, you know, I won't let anybody try to run me over. I'm always one that's like, all right, you want to fight? I'll give you a fight. But at the same time, I'm much more thoughtful today in how I fight. I pick and choose my fights. I, I can actually like analyze the situation, try to reason with it and then decide whether it's worth fighting or not, but I'm not going to let you, go ahead and think you can take advantage of me. That's let's get that shit straight. We're not going there, but if you want to go there, be prepared for some long-term fight. Right. Right. Yeah. And so let me ask you, did your, I'm wondering how your sexuality blossomed or bloomed. Did that also add to your, to the feeling of isolation or feeling like an other in your community? Or did you have, no, no, my, my, my sexuality was never up for question. It just, I, I didn't have any of the, the trials and tribulations that most people deal with when it comes to sexuality. I mean, I was predominantly straight growing up. Um, I'm still hetero romantic to this day. Um, but I like when people ask me like, when, when did you come out? I tell them I never did. I was never in the closet. I've always been pretty much open and my journey has been broadcast, whether it's been on film or just from knowing me, there was the, I've never really had to hide who I am. Cause I've always been upfront about who I am. Right. And, you know, and I think that's a good, I think that touches on a good point because I should have started out with how you define your, um, how do you find bisexual for you? Because one of the things that I'm learning is that we tend to, especially when it comes to um, bisexuality, but even when homosexuality, I'll hear guys say, well, I'm gay, but I've, you know, I've fucked a girl before or I'm, you know, straight. I fucked a guy, you know, and, and I thought that, that um, the label of what it means to be bi was the same for everyone, when in fact it's not, um, especially now that the younger generations, you know, these Gen, Gen Zs now, I mean, they're coming up with, you know, um, there's, you know, um, bi-romantic or by this or by, you know, for me, well, let me ask you how you define your sexuality. I'll go first. I define for me bisexual as kind of more like from an old school kind of perspective of I am attracted physically and emotionally to men and women. And the reason why I don't um, separate the emotion versus the physical is because usually when we think of a heterosexual person, we think of someone, okay, who's physically and romantically uh, attracted to the opposite sex. But I realized that I, I, now I realize that that there are others that define it differently. And it, it sounds like for you, will you go ahead and, and, and define your bisexuality for us? So my bisexuality is physical. I've always been romantically interested in women. 
um, not so much men. Um, and I'm not opposed to having a relationship with a man. I've just never had that opportunity. I don't have the same attraction level that I have with women. With women, it's, it's much more visceral. With men, it just, for whatever reason, it just doesn't click. And it's not that, you know, I find uh, a relationship with a man not to be fitting. It's more of, it just, I don't have that same chemistry. You know, I wish I did. I mean, it'd be it'd be great if if I could have that. And like I said before, I'm not opposed to it. It's just it's never happened. When right. it comes to the physical aspect, I do enjoy both, and I'm and I, and I'm specifically attracted to gender as opposed to pansexuality, where you just attracted to the person. I'm not just attracted to the to the person. I there's there's something about femininity and or the female body that's very attractive and certain, the same thing about men and then in my case if i can combine the two it just becomes explosive and like that old saying the best of both worlds and yeah. i love the chemistry that each one brings and the physicality that each one brings or dynamic uh it is very pleasurable and i've I've really grown into it over time because as before it was more like, oh, well, this is interesting. And now it's like, oh, this is amazing. And, and I can enjoy it. And I can find people that are like-minded and can enjoy it. And now I'm fortunate enough to be making a living out of showing yeah. that expression. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really cool. And I, you know, the funny thing is I used to really judge um, <clears throat> like when people would say, I, guys would say I'm heteroflexible or I'm by this whatever, because I felt like they were trying to get away from the fact that, you know, look, just, just, you're just, you're just by in the physical sense or whatever, but I don't judge it anymore because I know, you know, I think I mentioned to you, it almost seems more accepted to be anything, but by now you can come out and be gay or you can come out and call yourself fluid or you come out and call yourself trans or whatever. But if you actually say the word by somehow it's a cop out or somehow you're, it's always been a cop, out. it's been a cop out with like the older generation, which wouldn't, which would not recognize it for fear of judgment. Um, especially if you were a man and it's a cop out even today, because now people don't want to use labels. They, they, they just want to, be free to love whoever they want. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with being attracted to either gender because of their gender. Um, and I think that the more visibility there is with people who are openly bi, it, it gives it gives people more access and it gives people the license to be themselves and clearly say, yes, I am bisexual. Because there are people who do not identify with just liking anybody. Right. For who they are. I mean, yeah, you can like somebody for who they are, but there's got to be something else. And sexuality is so fluid. It, even being, a, let's say, a gay man who will sometimes have sex with a woman. I mean, that's a huge departure from the conventional. I mean, you don't hear a gay man say, oh, yeah, I'll fuck women sometimes. But you're hearing it now. And I think that has a lot to do with people now not only being comfortable with themselves but breaking down the stereotypes and breaking down the the conventional norms of what is appropriate and what is sexuality and right. you're, you're going to see a lot more people being assertive in that way but still having their own identification and at the end of the day 
it's not up to anybody to define anybody's identification. If you choose to identify as a woman who only has sex with men, but is romantically attracted to women, that's your prerogative. Nobody exactly. can challenge that because at the end of the day, it's your life. You're the one who's doing it. Right. You and know, by cop out and, and by the whole cop out thing, I was saying that, that, um, they would, you know, people who were not bi would just say, oh, if you say that you're bi, you're copping out and that you're when you're instead really gay. Of, right. Exactly. You're like, you're really gay or what have you. But I think what you said is very interesting. And see, from my experience, I felt like if you're a millennial in my era, era of being a millennial, like I was trying to push us to get away from um labels period because as you said we are all so fluid i mean you look at the kinsey scale but now it seems you know the younger folks instead of kind of just blanketing everything as as just fluid it's there i mean i looked on okcupid there are like 50 like there's so many different labels and and there's and it's everybody's prerogative to use those because I think everybody deserves to be seen and everybody deserves to be recognized for whatever they like. But then sometimes it kind of, you know, it can create misunderstanding. That's like why I think with I think I agree with you is that it would be so great if we could just be and just, you know, and not have to, you know, you could say what you like and move and keep it moving without having to explain this, that or the third. But, you know. The reality is that human beings are tribal by nature and yeah. part of being tribal is having a, you know, an identity that is associated with a group of people. And True. so on the one hand, I, I do agree that, you know, we shouldn't have labels. On the other hand, there is something good about saying I am this and, and, and having a specific label to express that, to, to identify because let's say if we're getting into the political realm, if you if you're going to fight a lot of the times you have to have a label to be able to narrow it down to be able to stamp it down to have something to vocalize to put in literature so that people can comprehend you know it doesn't always have to be the case but i think there's a place for it and at the end of the day it's up to the individual whether they want to have a label or not i don't judge anybody it's the same way when right. people have pronouns, if they want to identify as they, he, she, you know, or door for whatever, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, I'll I, tell you. a lot of times it's not even for me to understand, which I will understand. It's for me right. to respect. Right. Right. And, and I, and I tell but, you, I've always, I've always loved the idea of having the identity that by identity in, you know, inwardly anyway. And I, and I didn't, I didn't think about the whole tribal aspect of it, but I do love that. And I agree with you. I guess it's just the further and further we get away from there being a, like, you know, by is being defined in so many different ways. Now it's almost seems like it's obsolete, you know, even having a label as for it or a name for it is almost obsolete because I'll talk to three of like, I, at one point I wanted to have several different by guys on here. So you can kind of, people could see all the different flavors of what that of what that looks like so well, as long as i'm shooting the, the word by is not going to go away i will push that <laughs> word until the end of time yeah and speaking of that i would like to get into um how did you get you started into porn oh um, wait wait before we go there actually i wanted to ask you what do you think because 
and it may be and it may be different for you because our definitions might be the same or might might be slightly uh, different. But what is what has been what is the biggest misconception to you about what about being a bi male? Because I think a lot of people in the gay and the straight communities, as we kind of um, kind of spoke about briefly, have this idea that's not necessarily so. Oh, it's the same misconception in, in the general public that, you know, I'm really gay. You know, this is just my transition to being homosexual that, you know, you can't really be into women if you're fucking guys. Like I could fuck a million women, but as soon as I suck one dick, okay, I'm gay. I'm like, right. wait, what? How does that work? So no, that, that's that's always going to be the misconception for a lot of people. Right. Um, and also that at least within the industry, not really so much outside of the industry. If I have sex with men, um, I am much more of a high risk. And Ooh, we're going to get there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm dangerous to female performers. Yeah, we're going to get there. Um, and just, um, and I would, I would add to what you said about the, um, oh, well, you're gay or, or a lot of gay men might think, oh, you're just playing games and you'll leave me for a woman or what have you. What I have found is that there is this, you know, and, and, and you know, I'm a monogamous person. Um, seems strange given the, my platform, but I am. And so there's always there's always this um, idea that if you're bi, then you can't be faithful, or that if you're bi, you you can't be with one, you're or you're greedy, and then you'll eventually. And and real talk, there are many bi men who are um, you know are deceitful, um, and they. They claim to be monogamous and they and yeah they, but but the uh, people who are saying that are usually the ones that are unfaithful i mean the straight people and, and gay people have a strong track record long yeah. track record of being in faithful i mean you don't really hear about bi people so i'm curious where that mentality comes from right. that you know oh because you have more choices you right. know all of a sudden you're more likely to be unfaithful because i mean if, if you really look at it from a mathematical standpoint, just because you are attracted to both sex, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden now you have this increase of people. You still have the same amount of people that you would be hooking up, whether you were gay or whether you were straight. It doesn't right. matter that you're bi. Now you can increase your chances for sure in having a threesome. But generally in a threesome, all parties are agreeing to it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So like. I don't get the correlation of, okay, you like more than one sex, therefore you are going to be having more sex and you're going to cheat more. No, people are cheating at the same rate, whatever sexual orientation they have. Right. Whether right. A guy or woman, if anything, I would, I would say men are cheating at a higher rate, but regardless, I think it's all the same. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there's this, and you know, there's also, well, I can compete with a female. I don't want, it's like, well, why do you want to want, want to compete at all? Um, and so, yeah, that's the thing for, and so that's why I feel for a lot of, um, well, it's the insecurity of, you yes. Know, you, when you don't have what the other person has, you feel inadequate and you feel that, yeah, you, you, you can't measure up to that level when in reality, right. it's like, it has nothing to do with you. It's right. like you have to get out of that yourself when it comes to that. Right. Everybody is different. Every single person, whether whatever genitalia or whatever, however you even identify as a person, it does it does not matter. Everybody is different. So somebody will always have something different to offer. Right. 
and 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 it's the same thing you know there are women who say well i can't compete with a guy because there's a dick i'm like okay a dick is an added bonus but you're invalidating your vagina exactly there's 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 something about fucking a hole that we enjoy you know it's i don't even want to get into body parts I i think this is so it's so narrow the fact that anybody would have an insecurity over something that they don't have to me is absurd. I understand where it comes from, but I still find it to be absurd. Yeah. Let's and take this for example. Yeah. So, you know, let's say a straight man is attracted to blondes, brunettes, black women, you know, all colors of the rainbow. Does that mean that he has to fuck a blonde or a, you know, or redhead, a black woman or whatever, because he happens to be intra- attracted to all of those things? No. Like no. you said, it has to do with the individual. Yeah. So absolutely. You, you have, yeah, just be, just because you are black does not mean I'm going to black, uh, fuck every single black person. Right. Like at the end of the day, you are attracted to a person, you are attracted to a personality. There is something that you can't explain, but that person does it for you. It's almost like, oh, and it just so happens that they are of this race or they they have this hair color or they or whatever. But it, it doesn't entitle me or it doesn't mean that I have to like every single person. Now, if you're the kind of person who can like every single person, amazing for you and amazing for anybody who wants to be with you as well. Doesn't mean that that is a requirement. Right, right. And so as much as I was uh, talking about, you know, the younger generations and all of this, I think they're starting to actually get it right more than we ever did or in, a, in the people before us. It's not really the issue that it was. And I'm happy to see that. Um, so now I want to go into um, the porn aspect. So what so how did you get started in porn? How did you get your name? And yeah, just talk about that. Um, so I, before this, I used to be a bookkeeper. And the company that I was working for was going through a merger or went through a merger and they were letting go from each department and they let me go from the accounting department. But that was the best day of my life. I hated the job. I don't care if I was making good money. I hated the job. And I I had to contain my glee when when my boss let me go. And I was just like, "Mm -hmm, uh, sure. <laughs> I left. I called my mom and she's like, I need heat though. What are you going to do? I'm like, I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'm going to figure this out. And at that point, I was like, I'm, a, I'm only going to work for myself. I don't want any authority figures. I just don't want that shit. I, I need to be my own boss. And I was looking for different odd jobs on Craigslist. It just didn't matter what I did as long as I could make my own hours. And then one day I was looking and I saw the adult section and I was like, hmm. And I'm looking and I see all these different ads and I apply. One of them got back to me very quickly. It was for a game bang. Um, I told my friend Rob because I was staying with him. And I was like, Rob, I think I'm going to do porn. He's like, get the fuck out of here. You're not going to do porn. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do porn. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, suck my dick. And I'm like, watch. And so I I did it. Everything worked in its proper place. And You uh, sucked his dick? No, no, no. <laughs> I did not suck his dick. No, it was a figure of speech, my man. <laughs> well, no, I thought I got that, but I thought then he was just like, you were like, okay, all right, well, here we go. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I did the scene, the I, the one that I applied to, and um, it worked out. 
like I was able to maintain an erection. I performed well and it was fine. The money was good. I was like, okay. So I was doing more of it. Um, and then, uh, around that time I, I was, I was only doing straight porn. And then it was actually a, a girl that I work with. She's like, hey, do you do gay porn as well? And I said, no, and she's like, baby, you could be doing so much more money doing gay porn. I was like, Hmm. Yeah. Why not? So it, it didn't even like register in me of like, huh, is this something that I really want to do? It was more of like, well, why not? So I went ahead and did it. And yeah, the money was a lot better. So this was in 2006 by 2007, when I realized this was becoming a thing. I was like, I have to move to California. I was in New York when I was doing it. But let and, me ask you, yeah. um, how long had you been doing straight porn before you made that? Only a couple months. Okay. Only a couple months. Yeah. Cause it started late 2006 and then, um, yeah, by the, by December of 2006, I started doing gay porn and, um, and then really started doing it in 2007. And by the time I moved to California, that was my main focus. So I was like, move there. I hit up every studio because they were all based in San Francisco and just started making a name for myself within the community and trying to get myself out there. And it worked. Well, I have to say, so one of the, my favorite things about you is that you have a very unique aesthetic so much to the point where when, like when I first for years, I thought, Oh, okay, maybe he's, you know, like his mom's white, his dad's black or something or whatever. And you have the sexiest gap I've ever seen with your, uh, in your teeth. I mean, like it just, and all of these things in your eyes and your, I could go on and go on and go on and like it just, but they are, but they're all unique. You're like, please do no, but they're all unique features. And so I'm curious, did you, were you, especially at that time, um, it, the, the porn industry was much more, and even the gay in, uh, porn industry was much more. You had your white cookie cutter looking Falcon ones that went here, the Titan ones here. And this, there. like, I guess what I'm saying is, did you, did you meet any adversity or people kind of, or any rejection in the beginning because of, I don't know, your, your, your makeup as a man of color or anything like that? No, it was, I knew coming in, I did the research too, of like, what was, um, who were the, the guys in porn, what was the, the, the trajectory of studios, what kind of people they were hiring. Um, what I knew very early was I did not have the facial structure. I didn't have the, 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 the classic good looking looks. I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm bad looking, but I have a very unconventional look. And I knew that, that, that didn't really fit with a lot of studios or, I wasn't represented with a lot of other performers. So immediately I, if I was going to make a name for myself, I had to think outside of the box and, and figure out where or how I could put myself out there. So yeah, you had like the Titan guys and the Falcon guys and the hot house guys, and they were all pretty muscular. They were just these Adonis's. And so for me, I was like, okay, what area of porn is not being served that I could really kind of push it to my advantage. And the one that I saw was BDSM. 
So I completely changed my aesthetic. I shaved my head, like right now. Shaved my head. I had a big ass goatee. I had earrings. I was wearing leather jackets. And I was just kind of putting on this sort of persona, this sort of bad boy, almost leather daddy, but not really persona. And just doing a lot of BDSM kinky stuff, going outside further than the cookie cutter that was being done, even further than what Raging Stallion was doing. So at the time, they were the kinkiest gay studio. Right. Right. And, you know, that really, it, it, it did, it helped. I was working for kink.com and it gave me the edge that I needed. And when social media was coming into play, I used it to my advantage. At the time it was MySpace, but then Facebook and Twitter. I went immediately to Twitter, like 2008, and really used it to my advantage when I was using YouTube. So like, I was very aware that these new platforms existed and were becoming a thing, let me utilize that to further my cause. Right. And it did. I would say, you know, objectively, by the end of 2008, I had become a name. By 2009, I was a very well-known entity in, in gay porn. And it was all through just thinking outside the box, doing things that were not the norm in, in porn because of my aesthetic. It's for me, what I lacked, I made up in other areas. Right. So let me ask you, um, the kind of porn and then, uh, that you were doing in the BDSM and kink, um, was because you, that may have been your aesthetic, but was it your taste at the time? It was my taste in that once I tried it, I liked it. So I kept doing it. Gotcha. So gotcha. It, it, it would, a lot of the things, like especially a lot of the things that I started doing on film early in my career, I was doing it for the first time. You know, so a lot of times, if, if, if you're lucky, you will get to see me do it for the first time. Oh, my phone's, I need to turn this off. Um, so, yeah, once I, I try, I wasn't opposed to BDSM. For me, I'm the kind of guy, I'll try everything once. If I don't like it, I won't do it again. And yeah, so I... Once I, yeah, once I enjoyed it, I was like really into it and, and started pushing it. Um, what I did notice very early on too was that my aesthetic at the time was very limiting. So when studios wanted to cast me, they would try to cast me in very limited roles of like, you know, usually I was the, the hardened criminal, you know, right. I was the, 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 the daddy or something, just something like that was a little bit more rough. And I'm like, That's I can- my turn. Jeez. <laughs> and I'm like, man, no, I have more to offer. I can be diverse. I'm, 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 I'm very fluid when it comes to roles. And so I changed my aesthetic again and I softened it up, you know, grew my hair out and having more of a clean cut was really working out and, and just sculpting myself. But the, the, the sculpting also was for me. And within that, I was able to not only feel really good about myself, but also show that, yes, I can look, uh, I can have many different looks. So right. I could be, I can be a gentleman. I can be a punk. I could be a, a boy next door, quote unquote. You know, I can be all these different characters if I'm given a chance. Right. And, and, that, that, and that actually also pushed me even further too with studios wanting to hire me. Yeah, because I was going to ask, then, how do you make your leap from BDSM kink those limited areas to the other areas? Yeah, um, no, but it was that was that was a choice that I that I made, and then you know I was working for you know Shisha Larue and Jet Set Man, um, 
yeah, just working for different studios that normally I wouldn't have had the chance to to shoot for. Or if I did, um, it would be relegated to like that one role, usually with a kinky shoot. Yeah. And so you talked about um, previously um, about the the idea of, you know, the, the stigma on being a bi performer or being or just doing gay porn and then going back to the straight porn. So at what point did you uh, return to doing uh, straight films and did you and did were you immediately met with this um, this stigma or how did that unfold? Um, by 2009, I, I wanted to return to straight porn. I mean, I was doing some straight stuff in between the times, uh, particularly for kink, but, um, by 2009, I was like, okay, I've already done what the most that I can do in gay porn. I, I felt at the time I want to now try to conquer straight porn. So I knew I had to make the move to Los Angeles because that's where the productions are happening. Um, uh, and I, and at the time I was going to retire from gay porn, but then I was contract with cocky boys. They, um, right, it was literally right after, um, well, I actually, honestly, I, I, it was right after I did a shoot for them, um, end of 2008 and the owner really liked me. And then he had me back for another shoot the next year. And he was like, oh, we have to have him. And at the time I was like, no, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do this. But they made me an offer I couldn't refuse, as it always is. Yeah. And so I, I switched. And at the time it was like, I guess you could say it was a big deal because, you know, back then internet companies were not huge. Right. Um, so to have a DVD mainstream performer now convert to a website and be an exclusive the only other person who had really done that at the time was Jesse Santana. So when I signed with them, I was like, okay, I'm only going to do gay porn with them. That'll give me a, I can still have fun and be creative and do the things that I want to do. And it gave me a cushion financially. And then I moved to Los Angeles and started pursuing that from the ground up, making a name for myself. But at the time I was met with a lot of pushback because I was already doing that. And mind you, I had actually, I didn't mention this. I had signed with a, a straight porn agency, changed my name, and I withheld the information that I did gay porn, but they found out and they were like, oh, we, we can't accept this, fuck that. And so left the agency. And at that moment I said, okay, if I'm gonna do this, I have to be transparent completely. Hmm. And I'm not going to change my name. I'm going to keep Wolf Hudson, even though people are saying you got to change your name. I'm like, no, I'm not changing it. I'm not hiding it. It's like, damned if I change it, damn if I don't. And it's like, I'm just going to be me. And so it was an uphill battle. But what was my saving grace was word of mouth. It was the same thing with in gay porn. A lot of my my initial work was word of mouth, and I relied on female performers to spread the word. I wasn't like telling them, Oh, can you please like refer to me? But they were referring me just because. Mm -hmm. And so that got me into a lot of studios that I wouldn't have had the chance before. And I was networking and did all that, but dealing with 
quote unquote, the repercussions of doing gay porn was insane for me. Cause I'm like, well, what, what exactly am I doing? I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just having sex with a man. If you don't like it, just don't watch it or don't have it. The big concern of course is HIV. They, the, the, the testing protocols were different for both gay and straight and how so and at the time gay, gay studios weren't testing oh they were they, they weren't yeah they weren't testing for hiv you can't ask somebody if they're hiv positive because that goes against hipaa laws it's discriminating against disabled so you a studio can't ask a male performer a, a gay male performer hey uh, are you HIV positive? Oh, you're HIV positive? Well, we can't hire you. You couldn't do that. And so you had to assume that everybody was positive in gay porn. Okay. In straight porn, they test for everything. But here's the thing with a test, though. You're only as good as your last test. Right. But if the requirement is a test because of what you have done prior to that, then there shouldn't be an issue with me period because if the test is the requirement okay let me go get tested oh i came up positive for something i can't shoot okay cool then let me figure that out and then i'll test again and see if i can shoot again that should be a no-brainer but exactly yeah and the stigma that goes with it is you know it that, that that's really what derailed me so crossover that's the one term that they use for guys that go from gay to straight it's crossover i refuse to use that word to me it's a derogatory word it means hiv it means he is hazardous he is crossing over from that dangerous side and he could have it and he could infect a poor innocent female talent so it's code for agents and studios to say yeah don't work with him because then we can't shoot you and we're going to lose out on money because of it. It's like, but you already are going by the testing protocol. If somebody does not have a test that fulfills the requirements, right. then you can't shoot. Right. Yeah. So, but wh- so why are you discriminating against me? Why am I put at a different standard? And, and, that, and it goes to the other thing about HIV, not understanding what HIV is. And I'm guilty. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm guilty of that. I had misconceptions about HIV too. And, but the biggest thing is, it's not easy to transmit HIV. If you're on your meds, there's zero chance of transmitting HIV period. So what's the issue here? The ones that I really personally that I worry about is gonorrhea, syphilis, and hep C. Those are the ones that I worry about today. Yeah, those will take you out. I don't worry about HIV. I take care of myself. And I know if somebody tells me they're HIV positive, you can be damn sure they're taking their meds. I have no concern over it. Zero. But that's the lack of education that's in the industry. And so that is what has prohibited me from advancing as far as I could have. Because to this day, I face rejection because of it. Well, and, you know, kind of just on us, and it's a whole nother topic, but just the whole idea of prep prep is a wonderful thing but people seem to for some reason a lot of guys think that if they say i'm on prep that means i won't catch anything and so you know it's like okay it's preventative yeah, yeah you can still catch everything else 
Yeah, which can kill you because syphilis is something that can go, you, you may not know you have it for years. And then all of a sudden. Yeah, if you don't treat it, it, like gonorrhea too, if you don't treat it, it could actually do major damage. Yeah, make you go blind, kill you. Yeah. Um, so when you were getting the backlash, um, or not backlash, but the rejection, was it from the female performers or was it from the, in, or the industry at large? or what? Everybody. Everybody. Wow. And the ironic Everybody. part. And the ironic part about this is that there was, I watched, I saw a video on YouTube where this one female porn star was being interviewed. And basically she said that most, if not all, in, in her opinion, based on her observation, and I guess people she knows, most, if not all the men in the industry, in that straight industry are bisexual. That was what she said. Yeah, they've interviewed uh, quite a few female performers, and they've all said within the 90%, 97% range. Um, yeah, it's true. But it's, 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 it's true. There is a level of fluidity in porn. It's like, how can every single female performer in straight porn be bi, but not a single guy? They're all straight. Right. That, that doesn't it doesn't work like that. If you're in a room with 10 people, at least one guy is going to be gay or bi. I actually I would even counter that. I would say if, you, if you're in a room with 10 guys, there's probably maybe one or two uh, gay guys. And there's probably a shit ton of guys that would be on a spectrum of bi. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Because yeah. I've, 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 I will always say that homosexuality and yeah, homosexuality and heterosexuality are both in the minority. I think yes. everybody falls into some spectrum. Yes, and again, that goes back to the Kinsey scale. You know, I don't remember what's what where this where the statistic came from, but there's this old statistic that you know, ten percent of the population is gay. What they don't tell is the other side of that is that I believe that same statistic also said that ten percent of the population is straight, and that most people fluctuate somewhere in between. You know, but the, but the, the, the difference is you don't hear about it. So people will take on the moniker of this is who I am and they don't talk about everything else. And you see that more often with men. And so men in the in the straight porn industry are very militant when it comes to how they identify and they have to project a certain image for based out of fear fear that their female counterpart won't work with them and how they'll be looked upon by other men in the industry whether it be performers whether it be directors or anybody else you know and it's 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 insanity because we all know this, but we don't want to talk about it. We act as it's it's doesn't exist. I mean, there have been performers that have successfully transitioned from gay to straight, but they transitioned completely, mm -hmm. like uh, completely leaving gay porn behind and having changed their name. Right. And so when people are like, "Oh, you're not the first one," I'm like, "No, I'm actually I, I'm I'm definitely one of the first to do it." I'm not, I'm not claiming I'm the first one, but I'm one of the first to do it the way I'm doing it. I've been able to work for big straight porn studios as Wolf Hudson without having to change my name. That is monumental. And 
you're not, now I'm so happy that you're seeing much more openness. There's still, there is still stigma. There is still a lot of the BS going on, but you have someone like, let's say Dante Cole, Dante Cole, you know, just won this past year, performer of the year at the Expos Awards. They completely took out the categories of male, female performer of the year, and they just made it one. They even took out trans and gay performer of the year and just made it one, and Dante Cole won. After that, he uh, was uh, got signed to an, uh, an agency, a straight porn agency as Dante Cole, with the option to shoot whatever else that he wanted to shoot. So it was primarily for the straight stuff, but he could still shoot gay. He could still shoot trans. He could just still shoot bi, you know, and I don't give any, um, I don't want to give any uh, platform to agencies. I despise all of them. Every single straight porn agency, I think they're all bullshit. They're just scumbags and they're pimps. Uh, but there is something to be said for him being the first to being that person who could do that. And then they signed uh, Dante Thick, same agency, same arrangement. And th that's a huge departure from like 10 years ago, even a couple of years ago, where that same agency had me on a blacklist. Of and, what you, and what do you, I mean, what are your, you said yeah, you don't like agencies in the straight uh, porn industry. I mean, how, how do the agencies differ from in the gay industry? Well, I mean, you don't really have gay agencies i mean yeah there are some but it's didn't they used to have fab scout or something well fab scout yeah fab scout well, it was probably the only the biggest one there were a couple other ones but fab scout was the biggest uh one um and i believe fab scout is, is still around today um but it was only really one and straight you have like 50 studio uh 50 agencies that are operating and have a roster of talent. The thing with these agencies is, and why I call them pimps is because they are dictating what performers do. They tell them who they can fuck, who they can't fuck, what they can shoot, what they can't shoot. And they will get penalized if they go against it. Wait a minute. If I'm giving you money, if I'm paying you for a service, I am your boss, not the other way around. I am in control. Right. But wait a minute, you're telling me and I'm paying you? That is a pimp. Right, right. And before that, you, that is the definition of a pimp. Yeah. And before, and you know, and I want to get into your OnlyFans, but before we do that, um, we had a conversation about, uh, briefly about racism at one point. And while this, while bisexuality has really been a huge component of this, um, I really want to, touch on that i mean you you broke down something that i had never even heard of basically about um how that exists in the and, and you know i because i had the question and you said well now do you really want to know because that can you know that can ruin the fantasy so for all of you listeners who don't want your fantasies ruined uh, having to think about your favorite i mean he's not going to give names unless he wants to but i doubt he will oh, but no. so you don't that's right right so you don't you won't don't worry about that but unless you want your fantasies to be now in question um i suggest you not listen to the segment but it's a very 
important one, I think, for people like me who I want to know who it is I'm fawning over or, or I, I want to at least know, have an idea of what's going mm-hmm. on. Oh, no, I, I'm not going to reveal any names if we're going down. No, 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 no names. I shouldn't have said I shouldn't have said who I should say. So let's talk about the racism aspect. You you broke down kind of, um, you know, it's sometimes used as a negotiation tactic and all of this. Can you speak on that? Wait, say, say that last part again. So you had talked about how racism, your observations of that and how people in particular women who yeah. are able to find ways of using you basically using ra- racism to kind of get, get money. Um, yeah. And, and I would just, and it's just interesting if you could kind of just touch on that. Uh, yeah. Um, you have performers, white performers that will charge premium to shoot with black male performers, black male emphasis on that not female shooting with white. Um, and, and that goes across the board, whether it's straight or gay, you can command more money. So it's like, there's, there's different, let's say in straight porn, there's different levels of making money. So it's like make doing a scene with a man, doing a scene with a woman, doing a threesome, having two men take the double penetration, doing anal, which anal should be the pinnacle. But then the added one is having sex with a black man. Because that's part, apparently, of the fetish. And there are women who will prolong how long they shoot with a man of color uh, because they are trying to get financial gain. They are trying to build up their popularity and they're trying to build up the demand to the point that they can negotiate their rates. And the same thing happens in gay porn, too. You You don't see it as overt, has straight porn, I would say straight porn is very overt with its racism. It doesn't really hide it. And it's all done under the, 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 the guise of, oh, it's just business. Right. But it's, it's still happening on, in, on both ends. Um, and it's, yeah, having a black man penetrate them. And that's the, that's the fetish and that's the angle. Mm, right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it's, and it's always been a thing. And, and, and here's the thing. There are, when you look down the history of porn and you look at the history of people of color in porn, I mean, there are, there's, there's so many different stories and there's so many different hurdles that have happened. I'm not going to go down the list of it because uh, that, would, that would be a whole different segment. But I will break down one in particular, uh, particularly with women in straight porn. Uh, back in the day, porn was the marquee it was the postcard to the main event and the main event would be escorting or stripping feature dancing and so you do the porn you get notoriety you can go to clubs and you can command money you can command a lot a big crowd and make really good money well what was happening though is like particularly in the southern states was you would have female performers if they had been shooting with black men you would have some of these clubs in the South, the patrons who would complain, oh, we don't want her. She's having sex with N-word performers. Wow. And so, right. And so you then you had the, the people who were booking it, the owners, saying we can't have this girl because of this. Or you, and moving forward, we can't have any of 
the girls having sex with black men because it's messing up our business. That's one of the main things that really started to push that. Oh, okay. Well, we know we can make money if a girl has sex with a black man. Now let's pay a premium. So then the agents start taking advantage of that. It's like, okay, let's prolong this as long as possible to get the most money out of it. Then it got to the point where that wasn't becoming as much of a thing with the clubs. If anything, it really started to be obsolete. But that formula has not changed in, in porn. It's still maintained. So yeah, the, for the longest time, you would still see girls saying, oh, I shoot boy, girl, I shoot uh, boy, boy, girl, I shoot girl, girl, I shoot IR, which means interracial. It's like, wait, how is IR an added thing? Right. No, that means you're, you, you're, you're doing boy, girl. But there's an emphasis on that because not every girl will have IR. Mm. And you have some gay performers who are the same as well, who if you... It's, it's hard to say if you look at their work, you know, you can see who's, who's the racist and who's not. And I don't want to say that, but there is a commonality of guys that are not shooting with people of color. And then you, and if you talk to uh, performers of color, you'll hear a lot of the excuses that are given to them more so than I can tell you, Whoa. you know, and a lot of it. Yeah. Sure. If, if it's your quote unquote preference, which is bullshit, when it comes to race, it's complete bullshit, but there is this common thread of, well, let me wait this out, see how much money I can get out of it. And then I'll start doing it. And then I can really start shooting more of it. Right. Yeah. And then be, and they may even be fucking, you know, black men, you know, on the, <laughs> in their personal lives, keeping that secret. Oh. Listen, I am in a position where I'm white passing. Yes. If you look at my features, you clearly see that, you know, I'm not just white, I'm, I'm mixed. But the first thing that people see when they see me is I'm white. Right. That's always a thing. Nobody ever, when you cast the Wolf Hudson, you never doubt what he is. It's like, he looks white. I can put him in anything. Right. You know, except for Latin porn, because I'm not brown enough to be in Latin porn. There's, a st- there's also a stereotype there. But being white passing... I have been in the positions where I hear conversations, where I hear people's true nature because they assume that I'm white, 100% white. So I've heard many different types of conversations. I've had people say to my face, I won't work with a black guy because they smell and they have diseases. And I'm like, hmm, okay. It's like, yeah, I won't do interracial scenes. I'm like, okay, kept my mouth shut, did the theme. And then I'm like, hey, so you just did your first interracial scene. I'm like, what are you there talking you about? Oh, I'm, I'm part black. And the look on their face is like, what? Oh, really? Oh, well, you're half. You're half. I, th- you're half. I, thought, I, thought, I thought you were Latin. I'm like, baby, what do you think Latin is? Latin's not a race. Latin is a right. heritage. Right. You know, or I'll get people like, well, you're different. Oh, what's different? Oh, this, my skin color is different. My DNA is not different. Well, it's, it is different. It's mixed, you know, and it's all these different things, but I've, I've gotten it. I've, I've, I've been in rooms 
where, yeah, people have said some things and I've called it out. Mind you, I've, I've never stayed shut about it, but I've heard it. And people feel comfortable because they assume that I'm part of them. Right. Right. Yeah. So when, when people say like, oh, we're not racist, it's just this and it's like, no, yeah, no, they're racist. Wow. Thank you for shedding light on that. I, I think it's really important. And I think it's interesting, um, given the fact that diversity is certainly in the mainstream of the world uh, in media, interracial and black and people of color where, where you know, it, it's in now versus before it was like, oh, yeah. well, no, that's taboo. We can't do that. It's still taboo to this day. I mean, yes, it's become much more mainstream. It, it's still taboo today. You still have there's no equity in, in porn, you know, and even with shooting content, you know, you still have performers that will not shoot with performers of color. It's still a thing and it will always be a thing. The, the, the question is, you know, are we accepting it as a thing? Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, a performer has the right to shoot with whoever they want. You can't force anybody to shoot. So I give that right to even a racist. True. Like, oh, you don't want to shoot with a black person? Sure. Now, here's the question. Why are we hiring racists? Right. You know what I mean? Why are we hiring people? Now, and mind you, how do you know someone is racist? How do you know someone is transphobic? How do you know all of these things? That's a, it's, that's a hard one. And usually, if they're dumb enough, they stick the foot in their mouth and they'll say it. Right. But, you know... This, this problem is never going to go away, but I think it's important that we still talk about it, that we still fight against it, and we break down the systems that enable that. You can't, change, you can't necessarily change everybody's uh, state of mind and, and agenda, but you can change the structures that prevent others from climbing up. But this is why I think it's important, and I get why you don't call people out, out by name. I mean, there's just some things. Well, it, it depends. It depends. Ricky Larkin is a racist. I will call him out. I think he's a despicable human being. And I don't, I, I don't get into the habit of talking about people because mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's just not my MO. I can call out Ricky Larkin. He had made a video saying that the reason that black men are not hired as much because there's not a lot of good looking black men in porn. Wow. I'm like, excuse me? It's, that's the reason why black men are not hired in gay porn is because there's not enough good looking black men to your standards, Ricky Larkin, who looks like crater face, roided out bullshit. <laughs> Let's get that shit straight. Right. And, he, and once he got the backlash, he deleted the video and nobody wanted to work with him. But now he's working. Let's right. some time pass that people forget about it. OK, we're, we're hiring you back, Ricky. Yeah, there's another porn star that I can't remember his name, and it's not important, but he was going through that same thing, and he blamed it on um, substance abuse or what have you, and he's trying to get himself together, and then he realized it was not a good thing to to say what he said, and right, I can't remember, but um, but what I was well, saying Ricky, was well, Ricky doubled down on what he said. He oh. never really apologized. Well, well, you know, yeah. I think that I, I think it's good. Um, I, I just think that, like I said, I understand why, why you, why you guys, so many of you don't call it out because, you know, it can be frowned upon to just be bad mouthing people. And we don't, you know, we don't know everybody's, we just don't know everybody in there and, and who they are and what everything's like. But I, but I do think though, I wish there was somewhere, 
some way to expose so many of these people so they can be uprooted and just flushed out you know no 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 let me let me rephrase a lot of it i i'm not at all uh concerned about any backlash over the fact that it's frowned upon i could care shit about that i mean my entire career has been based on saying fuck you to the establishment that's not uh what i care about for me it's more of there are certain there are certain actions that i don't want to take because I don't feel it's necessary for me in terms of like, it doesn't serve me. If I feel it serves a better purpose to call it out, I will call it out. So for instance, if someone is racist and someone has done things that have prevented others and have done despicable things to other people, I mean, racism is already despicable in and of itself. I will call it out. If someone has been homophobic and has been transphobic, I will call it out. Those kinds of things is, is non-negotiable. I will call it out. I am not in the business of calling out people because I don't like them or because, you know, however I feel about them. That to me, it just, it doesn't serve any purpose for me until they start hurting other people. Yeah. Yeah. I just so, meant you know, calling you know what I mean? out the, yeah, I just meant as far as calling out the racist because I think. Oh, no, no. I will call out a racist. I think I should have yeah. clarified that. I know I will call that out. Yeah. I, I, anytime that that is the case, I'll call out a studio, I'll call a director, I'll call out an actor. It, it's more of I won't call out somebody who I have disagreements with. That's not related to that. Right. Those, those, those are more specific things that need to be called out. Like I said, racism, homophobia, transphobia, biphobia, yeah. whatever. My, whatever disagreements I have with a performer, I'm not going to call them out for it because that's my business and nobody really cares for it. And I'm not going to add fuel to the fire. I'm not going to give people drama. Exactly. I get that. No, I just yeah. meant, guys, I sure would love to know who the, who the guy is that says black black men smell. That's for sure. But no, that was a woman who said that. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that particular comment, that was a woman. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, but so let's get into your OnlyFans because I really want... Uh, you know, uh, from what I could tell, you're doing some really awesome things. Tell what, what, what could fans, what should fans expect to find on your OnlyFans? Well, here's the thing. OnlyFans is relatively new for me. I've only really been, <clears throat> been active within the past few months. My main platform has always been Pornhub. Um, but as of recent, Pornhub uh, is no longer processing payments. So I can't make money off my clips. That's how I initially gained my popularity. Wait, what's that mean? What's that mean? They're no longer processing payments. You can't buy porn on Pornhub. So like if you go to my page and you want to buy a full scene, you can't buy it because uh, the major credit card companies pulled out all payment processing because of a New York Times article that was posted about Pornhub and child pornography, the proliferation of child pornography. And it was a scathing article um, a lot of innuendo and the credit card company saw it and they pulled out. And so for the past, since December of, of uh, 2020, they haven't been, uh, been able to process any payments. So you can't sign up to my page on Pornhub. You can't buy any of my clips, even my, my, my free downloadables. You can't, you can't do any of it. So um, it's only been within the past like two months that I've just gotten to use OnlyFans. I've had the OnlyFans, but I wasn't really using it because I didn't like the platform. 
I didn't like the, the having to be super consistent with it, having to be on top of it, basically on a daily basis. That to me has no appeal as opposed to Pornhub. Um, I could upload once a month and be good with it and still have my sanity and, and live the rest of my life. But I've yeah. since applied that to OnlyFans, and now um, I'm doing it that way. You know, and people are more than welcome to not sign up or leave if they want more, and I'm not giving it to them. That's their prerogative. For my sanity, I have to operate in that manner. But the, the so to get back to what you're saying, um, what you can find is buy content. It's just a continuation of what I've already been doing, and it's just good, wholesome delicious by sex with people that are into each other and no no thrills no you know special effects no nothing it's just raw uninhibited by sex yeah i i really like I, I think it's great quality i think it's shot well i think you can tell when people like when they're into the sex you can tell and and when i watch when I see your scenes, you can tell everybody in there is feeling each other. They're, they're enjoying each other. That's, that is what I like, that kind of stuff. And the, and it's so interesting. Um, even though I'm bi, it's, it's difficult for me to watch bi porn sometimes because I like my, my, my senses get overloaded. Like I'm looking at this going on here, this going on there, this, there, this, there. Um, but I think it's awesome. And, uh, I, I, I'm, I really want people to really, go to your, uh, your, your page and sign up because, you know, I mean, if any, I, I don't think anybody who's been listening this long would <laughs> disagree when I say that you're a, you know, you're, you're a good guy and, and it's good to support. I mean, yeah, fucking is hot, but, but when you know the kind of person who's behind what they're doing and you know that they like what they're doing and they care about it and they're not just trying to hustle to make a buck, they really enjoy the content that they're putting out. I just think that makes the whole experience just um the whole experience and the whole experience uh, that much more. The whole experience. Yeah. i'll tell you this much i mean i care and i appreciate you saying that i i'm so passionate about the work that i do i will not release anything that i don't think is up to the standard that i see fit so there are scenes that i have not released because it just didn't it didn't go far i mean i don't have a lot of scenes but i have a few because i'm i'm that I'm that passionate about it. I'm, I'm so serious about what I'm doing. And if it just doesn't meet the standards, I'm not going to put it out. So literally, if I'm putting out something, it means that it was a good scene. And I'm not just saying that for, you know, marketing purposes. It's true. Like there are literally scenes I will never, ever drop. They might drop it because we did content share, but I will never put my name on it because I don't feel proud. I don't feel it. It it meets what I define as bisexual. And for me, bisexual in porn is everybody being into each other, chemistry. It's not even a matter of positions. It's a matter of just everybody being into each other. I don't like porn acting. I don't like opening up to the camera. I don't like the regular conventions of porn. If you're acting the part and you're not actually losing yourself and being in the moment, if you're playing it up to the camera, uh, to me, it's not a good scene. I don't, I don't care for it. And I, and I try to emphasize that to performers, you know, let's beforehand, like, listen, let's just have fun. Forget about the camera, you know, just 
let's do what feels good. I don't want anybody to do something that's uncomfortable for the sake of it looking good on camera. Yeah. And, you know, and for the most part, the majority of time that really resonates with so many performers, like, really, we don't have to do this. Or that's like, no, we can do whatever. I don't even care if we end up in one position. Wait, when they say we don't have to do this or that, what are they saying? We don't have to do what? Well, one of the worst positions that people will complain about is reverse cowgirl or reverse cowboy, which is basically when you're riding the dick uh, facing the camera. So it's like you're basically, uh, you know, like if you were writing the person face to face, that's that's a comfortable position. But if you're turning it around and you have to use your legs and you have to hold yourself up, that's for a lot of people, that's a very uncomfortable position. But the camera gets full view of your body and what's going on. Right. And I tell people, like, if let's say if I'm doing a stack, whereas like, let's say I'm at the bottom and then the guy gets in the middle and then she gets on top. I she'll usually try to turn for the camera and I'm like, no, 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 get comfy. I got you. And you can just sit in the face like, oh, yeah. And then they get on top and I'm like, I got them. And we're just having yeah. a good time. And then they let go and it's it becomes this extra thing that yeah. they probably would not have done if they had done the other way. It makes the scene that much hotter. So how much hotter? Cause they're into it. They're not, they're not working to try to please somebody. You're going to please just by being into it. And that's what I always try to capture in all my scenes. I just want this explosiveness that, that comes from truth. I, I, I want an actual hookup. Yes, this is work and we're going to treat it as work and we're going to respect boundaries. But once we have those things in place, okay, now let's relax. Now let's actually have fun. Yeah. And I will say, uh, you know, it's a big turnoff for me when I'm watching, especially these OnlyFans these days. And, and they're more, you can tell they're all about trying to get the camera right, get the angle right. They're looking at the camera to see how they look fucking on camera. And it is just a complete, like, you know. The looking at the camera annoys me. Yeah. Now, I don't mind if you glance every now and then because, you know, when you're working with, with when you're working by yourself and you're kind of the, you know, you don't have a big crew, every now and then you want to make sure everything looks fine. Okay, that's fine. But literally, when you were watching yourself, like you're. Yeah, like, the whole time, literally, the camera, you're just looking at this. You're not like, hello, there's a person sucking your dick. Yeah. Like, why don't you, like, one, pay attention to them, and two, enjoy bask in the feeling of this amazing thing as opposed to just holding the camera and looking at it like oh yeah you guys can see it look i'm getting my dick sucked like right yes we can we can see you getting your dick sucked we can clearly right. see it. Right, right right now why don't you actually enjoy it exactly, exactly. surprise exactly. <laughs> sorry i i get riled up with that because it, it is it for me it annoys me so much when i see that and then i'll have performers that will want to do that i'm like no listen just put the camera down. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Um, so I want to, so this, for these last few minutes or the last bit of this interview, I wanted to have, ask you some miscellaneous questions and then some, and then a few fun ones. So, um, sure. all right. So, uh, let me ask you, what is the funniest thing that has happened to you while filming? The funniest thing? Oh, Jesus. I mean, I don't want to say the funniest things. I can tell you one of the funniest things. Um, gosh, putting on the spot. 
What's one of the funniest things? Um, fuck. <laughs> Uh, give me one well while you think about that i will just say i going back to what you said in the very beginning i totally agree that you your acting chops what you can do so many different things other than just one genre i mean you and that breaking bad that breaking bad scene where you were we're, we're not talking about that movie uh we no we're that's not uh, talking about that. Thank you. I'll take your compliment, but we're not talking about that. Movie. Uh, I I will give you a little side note about that, but um, honestly, like some of the funniest stuff that has happened to me is when mistakes happen. Like if somebody trips up, like there's been countless times where I fell because there was lube on the floor while I was fucking. Yeah. Like those to me, or like if you know, I pull out and somebody queefs. Like I love that. Yeah. That 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 to me, I can I can just be laughing for for the longest time um there's not like a real set scenario that i can really think of at the top of my head but just anything that has to do with like people being silly and just like accidents happening happening on set those to me are the funniest stuff so like so, I, go ahead so i'm just wondering like i saw years ago and i wish i could i so wish i could find this clip it was obviously a blooper and this was not a queef they were said they were about to say they were saying action and this guy was literally i guess gonna eat her out from behind and literally she farts right in his face and he just yeah all of a sudden you see his face leave the leave the frame <laughs> that is the I, I laugh every time i'm like yeah. i mean listen i can i can talk about poop and though i've had some funny stories when it comes to that but i i won't get too much into that um but yeah usually accidents that happen on sets and i've been on a lot of sets where accidents happen but to me it's human and I'll, you know a lot of times if an accident happens on like w one of my scenes i'll keep it in i mean really? I'll, I'll, oh yeah like if i'll, I'll keep it in like it, like if something funny happened like i've there have been times where like somebody tried to swing their leg and their foot oh oh, oh wait no, I I, oh I i'll keep that in there no i don't know I, I won't keep poop accidents no 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 i will not keep yeah. yeah, I was like, that's a whole other different demographic. Yeah, that's a demographic that I don't care to cater to, um, right. but also I can't legally do it, and also I don't want to humiliate anybody. Right, right, yeah. So, no. Okay. All right. So let's see. Um, favorite scene you've ever done? I don't have a favorite scene. I've I've had favorites. I've had, I've I've had a lot of good scenes, and I and I would say one of my most recent favorite scenes um happened i want to say maybe one one and a half months ago i did a scene with this young man named cristiano and a girl named healy reed um it was his first by threesome he's had sex with men and he's had sex with women he only shoots gay porn and has done uh, some f to m trans porn but that was his biggest fantasy. And I don't know what it was. I mean, for sure, we all had chemistry. Like she was already really into me and was really into him and, and he had been into me and I was really into her. Mm -hmm. And th th that dynamic was just, it just flowed. We really just kept going and going. They were open to anything and, and they were so 
into it and I was into it and I was doing more things that I normally would do. And, you know, it's just one of those things you just can't explain, but you know, magic is happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, it's good when you, when you take a pause and you realize you've shot almost an hour of footage and you're still not done. And then you say, um, Hey, so like we can start wrapping it up or we can keep going. And they all say, we can just keep going. Like yeah. it's, it's that good. And that scene was that literally we're like, we can just keep going and see what oh, happens. Like and, 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 and interestingly enough, that is one of my most successful scenes since I dropped it. Nice, that when, I, nice. when, I, when I even dropped a teaser of it, just a small little tiny little thing, people were going crazy over it. And I was just, I was very curious too. I was like, what is it about this? Cause I've, I've released things like this all the time, but what is it about this dynamic? You can see the ecstasy, the enjoyment as much as the action that is displayed. And when I dropped the scene, people were craving it. They're like, it is one of the hottest scenes, if not the hottest buy scene I've ever seen in my life. Some people are even saying it's the hottest porn scene they've ever seen, which I'm always like, really? Okay, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, no. And it, But if it was that enjoyable for them, you can only imagine how enjoyable it was for me. So that is one of my top favorite scenes as of recent. I have too many to actually say which one's my favorite. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, yeah, and you look. Uh, what's his name? Is it? I know Hattricks, right? Or Steve Ricks? Is that his name? The guy. Steve Ricks. Yeah, he seems like a really awesome guy too. That I, that I like watching. It seems like you guys work well together. <coughs> yeah, he's one of my go-to guys. We we love. Excuse me. <coughs> he's uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite guys to shoot. I mean, he's got this big dick and his big old bubble butt. Yeah, yeah. very much a person. Just he loves it. He's. He loves, he loves bisexuality. He really, yeah. he really loses himself in it. And we just, we click very well. And, and okay. he's the kind of guy now he lives in San Diego. If I call him up and then say, Hey, you want to come fuck this girl? Do the same. You're like, okay, cool. Let me just get to test it. And he'll drive up just to shoot it. That's so like, awesome. No, no problem. Nice. Well, let's yeah. get, uh, so, um, I was going to ask if you what your worst filming experience that you can remember was, but um, uh, I say we, I think we're out of time where we want to just live in the light right now. <laughs> let's, live. Let's, let's let's live in the light because we can get really deep with that one. Yeah, um, um, I'll I'll tell you this much. To me, it it gets bad when people are mean, when people are disrespectful, when they're inauthentic when they try to be something that they're not and 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 then they make it difficult for others to continue those are usually bad days for me because at the end of the day we want to get in and we want to get out you know let's make this as pleasant as possible so when you add a diva complex or you you know you just complain about everything it becomes a bad day mind you it's not to say you can't complain about things. I think you should complain if something doesn't feel good. It's another thing to be picky about everything that you can't actually function. It's like we're shooting porn. What exactly were you expecting to do? Because this cutting and shooting and cutting and shooting, at that point, we should just cut the shoot and find somebody else. As right. if clearly you are uncomfortable, we should not do this. But 
a bad attitude will always make it a bad shoot for me. But I'm in a position today where I don't really deal with that. I'm, you know, I'm very careful with who I, uh, who I pick uh, to shoot with. And I'm, and I'm very good to cater to make sure that that the personality I cast here is compatible with, with the other personality as well. Nice. Uh, but I don't, I don't deal with a lot of the, the drama. It's, it's happened. Sometimes there's been little, little, little mishaps, but um, when I was shooting for studios, yes, that was, that was a thing. And that would make it a, a gotcha. very bad long day. Gotcha. So this, this segment is what makes Wolf's dick twitch or rather what makes Wolf's dick tick. Um, so it, you're clearly versatile, but uh, do you have a preference for topping or bottoming? I would say I'm a versatile top. Okay. I, 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 go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and for those who don't know around the world that don't have the uh, luxury of knowing what it feels like for you to get fucked, like, how do you like it? How do you want it done? And what position, like, what is it? What does the sensation feel like for you? And what is the best way to, to hit your spot? Well, I was going to say that, you know, I much prefer, prefer to fuck. I just enjoy that activity. Um, when I do bottom, it tends to be more of a mindset than it is just a physical. The mindset can really make the physical explode. And um, if somebody knows what they're doing, if I'm if I have good chemistry with them, if I feel like this could be something, I'm much more willing to, to bottom. And so if we're on the flow and I'm mentally there, the way physically I enjoy it is I like somebody at first to take their time. And that sounds obvious, but it's not obvious to a lot of people. I like for them to take their time. And, you know, I don't want you to just ram it in. But when things are flowing, things are warm and things are heated, then you can actually go to town. Still be, you know, cautious of me and read my body language and my facial expressions and just verbal communication. But um, yeah, that's, that's generally how I enjoy it. And I obviously, I enjoy it a lot more in the missionary position because I like eyes. I like looking at eyes when I have sex. I like that sort of vulnerability that is associated with looking at somebody, you know, you can kind of put, take them into this world that's only them and there's nothing else around. Right. And, that, and as far that, that applies whether I top or if I'm bottoming. And as far as the position, uh, the sensation goes, like when it's hitting, is it a, like the sensation when it's your prostate or just the feeling of being full going back and forth? What is it? What is it that gives you the pleasure? Where do you feel the pleasure and describe what that is? Um, it's just the back and forth. I think it's just the loosening up of the muscles. The, the prostate is almost irrelevant for me. Like, yes, I, if somebody is really good at it and they can hit the, my prostate, it's phenomenal, but I'm not really a prostate, um, I would say connoisseur. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not, it's like the same thing when I have sex, I don't care to have an orgasm myself. It's great if I can have it and I do enjoy having orgasms, but I like the process of sex. So if, if I, I am bottoming, um, I prefer that. I, I just like the action itself. That that feels good. Um, as a top, I just I will always enjoy topping. That is my my favorite thing. I love how everybody feels different. I love how it feels against my dick. I love 
of having that connection and having the permission to enter somebody. You know, most of the time we think of people who bottom as being submissive, and it, to me, is the complete opposite. I think uh, being a dominant and a submissive is a state of mind, not a physical right. thing. When I bottom, I'm very much dominant. I'm still in control of it, and I can still dominate somebody to submission. And you're like, well, how do you do that? It's like you do it if you are. And uh, so for me, entering somebody is I'm getting permission to do that. And, and I think there's it's my job to make sure that if they're giving me that permission, that I make them feel good because I'm going to feel good regardless. If, if I know that I'm making them feel good, it takes me over the, over the top. Like, especially mentally, it just like puts me to like the stratosphere. Nice. Yeah. So, and, and now here, now here's the, the, the big one. And I imagine getting fucked while fucking at the same time. Oh shit. Okay. Good night, everyone. It's wow. There's no question. Like that is the most amazing feeling in the world. So that, that beats it all, huh? That beats it. It's, it's the Holy grail. It's the Holy by grail. It's wow. the by grail. Um, uh, I, would, <laughs> I would say that's, when I look forward to bottoming the most, because like I said, I, I would say I, I more prefer to talk. Yeah. I do enjoy bottoming, but I really enjoy bottoming when I'm in the middle nice. of, a, of a daisy chain. Yeah. Nice. Well, listen, we are just about out of time, but I'm hoping that you would be willing to come back just for a short part two, because we started playing this game several weeks ago, but I wanted to finish playing. And that is because, you know, we're both by and we both grew up watching straight porn. We're talking about who our who our tops, no pun intended, top <laughs> guys in the straight porn that we watch as by men and the women. And I want to explore. I want to go back and forth with you on that. I also want you to um, if you could give your advice to someone who wants to enter the porn industry at this at this a uh, stage, you hear a lot of people just saying, "Oh, I should start an OnlyFans," and then, or you know, like, also if you're going to be a buy performer, what to expect. So I want to hold that, and a few other things I want to talk about. So if you are willing, let's plan a part two. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. Well, in the meantime, listeners, if you want to hear part two. Uh, be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast so that you will know when it gets uploaded. And uh, in the meantime, Wolf, so have you seen that show Hot Ones on YouTube? No. Really? You are missing out, man. Well, basically, it, it at the very end, he says, okay, so now these few last few minutes are yours to promote whatever it is you want to promote, whether it's your OnlyFans, a product, what product, whatever it is you want to promote, this is your time, baby. Okay, so I can do that. <clears throat> Here we go. So you can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Wolf Hudson is by on Instagram at Wolf Hudson official. Uh, OnlyFans Wolf Hudson is by Pornhub just Wolf Hudson. If you were to type in Wolf Hudson, you'll you'll find everything of me. And those are all the platforms that I'm on, and you can enjoy me. I'm more personable on Twitter and you'll get all my content on either Pornhub or OnlyFans. Uh, this guy is in a class of his own. Thank you so much, Wolf, for doing this. I, I can't thank you enough. I will find any excuse to thank you again off, 
off this recording and uh, I look forward to a part two, man. So uh, until then, thanks for everything. Rock, Rock Hudson, get it. I'm sorry. Right. Well, that's actually where I derived my stage name. Side note. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So we'll leave that in then. So um, well, thank, you thank you so much you for having me. Yeah, it was fun. And again, stay tuned for part two.